Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope that you enjoy this encouraging message. For more information on our church family, visit freechapel.org forward slash OC. I want to share with you a thought um, from Psalm 23 verse 5. And David says this, we know it so well. But David says this, he says, you speaking to God, David's having this moment of of prayer, if you like. And he writes this down and he says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. We know it so well. And often verses that we know so well, we've heard them time after time. And and as a result of the familiarity we have with the text, we often can miss the depth of what is being communicated and the revelation that can be caught, caught in the text. I want you to understand that, that David in this, what he's speaking here <clears throat> Is he's establishing two contrasting settings, if you like. It's the setting of being surrounded by enemies and it's the setting also of a table in the middle of it. You see what he's doing? And, and I want you... What I want to do is in order for us to appreciate the level of contrast between these two metaphors, if you like, we need to put this this statement that that David's saying in, in, in its correct context. There's a cultural context that we have to understand. Firstly, when David is speaking of his enemies, we hear that and we think of bad stuff in our life. But but what you have to be reminded of is, is David was somebody that knew what it was to have real enemies. Okay, when David speaks of enemies and David talks about adversity, And David talks about battles and David talks about trials. You're not not dealing with a guy who, you know, life is bad because the sun's not shining or his, his football team didn't win. That's not a bad day for David. That's a bad day for us. You're talking about a guy who was in battles that were so fierce. Think about this fact that as a teenager, He took down a giant with a rock, then walked up to the giant, took the giant's own sword, severed his head off and carried the head of that giant back to the king. You're talking about a guy that God actually said of David, you cannot be the one to rebuild my temple because there's too much blood on your hands. You're talking about a guy who took a group of dudes that were discontented, that were given up on life, and he grabbed these dudes in a cave and he trained them to be killers, absolute killers that are known as David's mighty men. You're talking about a dude who knew what it was to have an enemy. 
I want you to understand how incredibly violent these battles were that these that these figures in scripture when they talked of battles that these battles were gruesome battles David did not just know what it was to experience battles of a combat sense but he knew what it was to have absolute torment and turmoil in his own family you're talking about a guy who's son had planned a revolt against him and took a good 40 years to do it. Strategically and maliciously had a plan to take down his own father. You're talking about a guy whose daughter was raped by her half-brother. You think your family's dysfunctional? This dude needs counselling. I'm painting a picture because I want you to really understand when David talks about the setting of his enemies, this joke is not talking about a bad day because of the weather or somebody that's bothering him at work. He knows what it is to have enemies. This is the setting that David says, in the midst of this, you prepare a table for me. Now, I want you to understand the cultural context of a table. We think of it and we think of a king sitting at a throne at the end of a table with all of this food is actually not correct. Because if you study how that kings would actually eat, one, they didn't have tables and they didn't have chairs that sat at the height that we know them to sit. Tables were a lot lower. Tables back then were about a foot or so off the ground. And when kings would eat, they wouldn't just sit in this upright chair. They would, they would, in a sense, recline. This was the best I could come up with. It was in my office. I told the guys to grab it. Dave, David is establishing... <laughs> Let me take my time. I'm going to enjoy this. Every Sunday, I, up, I stand up here and slave myself while you were all chilling. Some of you, I watch you sip the coffee that you snuck past the ushers. Now I'm going to take a moment for myself. They would, they would, they, listen, when, when they would, would sit down for a meal, these jokers are chilling. I mean, when, when David, listen, understand, this is what is in David's mind. He was a king. They they had people would come and feed them food. He's sitting there. He's, listen. I might not get back up. (laughs) I need this. God knows I need this. (sighs) Oh, Lord, thank you, Jesus. What was I preaching about? What were... I know this is, I know this is chilling. I know it's funny, I know it's, but I'm actually doing this on purpose to paint a picture because when David is talking about his enemies, I want you to see how intense that setting is. But then I want you to see, I'm painting a picture 
of the intensity of the setting that surrounds him because it's the intensity of the setting that surrounds him that helps us appreciate the power of the setting that God prepares for him despite what he's surrounded by. To think that David in his mind when he writes, you prepare a table for me. This is what David's thinking of. Just chiller, just being like, ah, oh, man, this is good. This is, they're not, when they are reclining at a table, eating food, they're not, he's not thinking about battles. He's not, he's not looking at battles. He's not, this, this table, this is not strategizing. The table is not a moment to, to strategize what he's going to do with the battle that's around him. The table is an absolute and complete escape from the situations that surround him. This is what I want you to see was in David's mind when he said, God, you prepare a table for me. That there's a place in the midst of the, the trouble that surrounds me. There is true rest available for me. And this is what it is to rest in Him. This is what it is to position ourselves in a space that actually makes an incredibly powerful statement to the enemy that's coming against you. Because how frustrating would it be if you were attacking somebody and this was their posture? Because you know what? They're not, they're not appreciating the power of me as their enemy. Who do they think they are, these people of God, these believers in Jesus? Who do they, that they won't even give me the dignity of, of getting up out, off from their table? They won't even, they, they won't even give me the dignity of acknowledging what I'm capable of doing. Is, this, is, this is the way the enemy, you, you have this ability to establish an incredibly powerful statement to your enemy when you know what it is to find true rest in times of trouble. That's my, that was my, that's my little sermon title. True rest in prime times of trouble. I want you to look, and as you look in, in Scripture, you see how often God used such contrasting behaviour in His people to bring about a victory in their life. I want you to compare, because this, this is not just a, this is not like just a funny picture. This is a pattern through Scripture. Because, because this, this setting, this is, this is a very similar setting to a guy called Daniel that was facing a lion's den. The, the contrast of the ferocity of a lion's den and, and, and the rest and the peace of just Establishing a healthy prayer life. Lord, I know I'm facing lines tomorrow, but 
God, I'm just going to keep trusting in you and I'm going to surrender this situation to you. And even though I have favour with the King and I could speak up, I'm not going to take things in my own strength. I'm going to believe in who you are as my God. And even if it comes to the actual lines then itself, that I'm not going to put up a fight tomorrow. Have you ever considered that Daniel didn't put up a fight? Not once. It bothers me so much because it challenges my faith. I think, geez, I would have, I would have been swinging haymakers, just doing anything I could in faith, you know. <laughs> I've often asked myself, why didn't Daniel, when he came to the lion's den, and he's facing that lion's den, even then? He still doesn't shout out. I think what a picture of trusting God is. What a picture of being completely surrendered to God to the point where you can say, God, if this is actually where it ends, then I'm good with you. I want you to see how contrasting this is. I want you to see in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, we have this, this picture of a man called Jehoshaphat. He's going out into battle and God gives him this strategy that is the most bizarre, ridiculous, irresponsible almost strategy. And he says, you know what? I want you to, I want you, when you get out there, you know what I want you to do? I want you to gather I want you to gather those in your army that know how to sing. Sing. If we were, if we were putting together an army to win a battle, the singers, those jokers would be at the back. I would want my killers up front. But God says, no, put the singers up front. And when you get out into the midst of the battle, you know what I want you to do? I want you to just say, God, you're so good. God, you're so faithful. God, I praise you. God, I thank you. I thank you for your hand upon our life. Thank you for your presence. And as they're in the middle of this battle, as they're in the middle of this setting that makes no sense, to someone just at rest and they start to worship. The scripture actually says that God came then as they worshipped, that God came and set an ambush against their enemy. It's a pattern that we see and it's all through scripture this contrast of, of what He tells us to do that makes no sense based upon the situations that we face. And as I considered this, this, this thought and as I considered this picture for, for my, my own life and I was thinking of us and our lives, I think if, if we're believers in Jesus, I think we, we all agree we establish, okay, he has prepared a place for us. We know that. 
There is this place of, of absolute and complete rest, true rest, there is a place. It's not a place that's waiting for us after we pass away. It's not just some, you know, He's prepared this place up in heaven. No, no, no. This is not what David's talking about. David says that there is a table, there is a place of absolute true rest that He has prepared for us right here and right now. And so I think for the most part, we all would have the faith to believe that, okay, this is here. I think where we get off track is not believing that this space of true rest is available. I think we get off track because we simply get lost trying to find it. And, and, and we wander around our situation and we wander around our enemies and our battles trying to strategize, trying to work it out, trying to discover what we should do, when we should do it and how we should pray. And sometimes the Holy Spirit is telling us, I want you to find this place of rest where you can simply sit and trust me. Because I've found sometimes it actually takes, I know for my life this is true, it takes more faith for me to actually sit than it does to do stuff. And you may be thinking, well, Ben, I thought as faith without works is dead. That's true. Guess what? This is the works. This is true rest. But we get, we get, we get lost. Even in our salvation, it's not that we're not saved. We're saved, but we get lost. Trying to find this space. We're looking for the right thing, but in the wrong places. And we're trying to find rest in our life, in relationships. Listen, people are amazing to build our lives with. They're horrible to build our lives on. Because why? Because people are people. And, and we keep trying to find rest in, in relationships. And then we keep trying to find rest in our job and rest in our situations and rest on vacation only to find. And all of these things are amazing. All of these things are incredible additions and blessings to our lives at times in the right season. But, but they're so futile and they could go in a moment only to find that while the vacation is great, you've got to come back to the situation. <laughs> and then many of us on the way back to the situation, we're planning our next vacation. <laughs> we will go into debt trying to find rest. And, and we create this cycle. And you know what it does is it keeps us really, really busy. And it's almost like the busyness gives us a sense 
of rest momentarily in its, of itself. Because as long as I'm busy, I'm distracted from seeing the reality of my enemies around me. But what we have to understand is that He has prepared a space for us. And the difference between this space of rest and all of these other things is these other things are things that we're doing in our own strength. But this here, this here has nothing to do with our strength, but everything to do with His. Because this here, this represents us doing absolutely nothing. And I have found that that is for some of us, the hardest thing to do is nothing. Doing nothing by faith. I'm not talking about being lazy and sitting on your butt eating Cheetos playing Xbox. No, no, no. So husbands don't go home and use that as a licence. I'm talking about what it is to do absolutely nothing by faith. Nothing but sit in that place of rest and say, God, I'm trusting You. And I'm gonna pray and declare. I'm gonna worship You. And I'm gonna keep my focus on You. When they would sit and recline and eat, Everything was different to the space that they would be in when they would go to battle. Everything, the clothing that they would wear is different. The conversation is different. Their posture is different. It's a complete different world. That's what David's saying. And I believe for us as in this Western world, this is one of the most powerful things that we can do is know what it is to find true rest, not in our efforts and energy, but simply in the price that He has paid so that we can do this on our worst day. And think about Jesus and what we celebrated last week and what He did when He hung on the cross. He hung on the cross so that we can do this on our absolute worst day. I love that as a thought. I love how much that would aggravate my enemy. That when He comes at me with everything He's got, I'm sitting there just chilling, saying, God, I, God, I trust You. And the more He attacks, and the more He comes against me, the deeper my worship becomes. Not, not necessarily the louder or the more frantic or the more, because that can be all based upon fear. Fear of thinking if I worship louder and, and pray louder and say bigger words, then God will come in. And the, No, no, no. Sometimes the best thing we can do is just sit in a space of rest and worship with a worship that is so deep that it doesn't necessarily have to be loud. But it comes from the very core of our being. This is God, if what surrounds me never, ever changes, 
you will always have my worship and my surrender. And when we as believers can find this space right here, this is where we become untouchable. Because this is where we are truly finding rest in Him. My challenge to us today, and I know this is such a, it's a thought. But it's a thought that spoke to me this week. So what's the goal? Is the goal this week is, you know what? Find the table. Find the table. Because He has prepared a table for you. And that table, you're untouchable at that table. So in what you're doing and what you're facing, and even in your prayer life, the goal of your prayer life is not to beat the enemy that's coming against you. The goal of your prayer life is to find the table. Because sometimes you can waste a lot of prayers praying against something that you think the enemy is sent to break you, but God's actually allowing to build you. And you can waste a lot of time and a lot of big religious words praying over something that maybe God is allowing. And the reason He's allowing it is He's trying to use the situation to push you and the turmoil in your life to push you to a place that's here. And then I find that place here and I have these moments here. And then I find these moments on Sunday where we're surrounded in such a space of faith and worship. We're reminded of what it is to have rest. But then I find myself on Monday, I'll bounce up real quick and I'm ready to go. And you know what God is saying? Stay here. And I'm like, no, but I wanna go here. And He says, I know, shut up and do what I'm telling you to do. Because here is where my effort and energy is not needed. And because of my insecurity, I love to feel needed. And because of my own inadequacies, I love to feel like God needs me to do stuff. Only to sit in that place of rest and be reminded of the simple fact that God doesn't need me, God wants me. And if I can stay in a place of resting in Him, then He fights these battles and His will is activated. How are we told to pray? Pray, Your kingdom come, Your will be done. And that's so powerful because we don't know what His kingdom is and His will is. We think we do and in some ways we do, but His ways are not our ways and we can't even fathom what God is doing. So God says, listen, rather than me explaining it to you, Joe, because just pray 
My kingdom come, I will be done. I'll take care of it for you. Isn't that such an easier way to live? This week, in the midst of your turmoil, find the table and trust in Him. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. To watch our latest message, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. To stay connected, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Free Chapel OC.